Welcome to TLC for the Soul podcast, where soul meets spirit. You have entered into sacred space. I'm your host, Tammy Lynn Chambers, and I'm here to help you shine. Now let's get going on this podcast journey. Good day. Good day, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We have finally reached the month of October, my most favorite month of the year. And I am sitting under an amazing little tree. I'm going to snap a picture. Hold on. (laughs) I had to snap a little picture. So I'm sitting outside in a very little fairy area around where I live. There are, however, all these little gnat bugs all around me. Um, So we'll see how long I can last because they're like all over my arms. They're not mosquitoes. They're just little teeny tiny baby bugs. Um, You may hear some outside sounds um, going on. But what I wanted to do this month is um, read to you from a short story that I'm writing for the month of October. So over on my Instagram, um, TLC Books, for the month of October each day I write kind of a page of this short story and my intention is to write a new little short story each month that just kind of has a flavor of the the month and the feel of that particular month um, until I have a whole year's worth of short stories. That's the intention anyway. (laughs) So we'll see how that goes. But this month's short story is called Pumpkin Pie Latte. And it is staged in the town of Rockaway Point. So um, just kind of setting up again kind of how these stories come about. Um, They are what you call, um, quote unquote, I guess, channeled stories. So I just set the intention to write something. Um, In this case, this persona or, or character, if you want to call her that, Um, came through Abigail Smile. She's an ancestral witch mage. And what I find, I guess, with a lot of these characters or people, I guess they are personas. They're really like seem to be aspects of myself, (laughs) if I really get right down to it and and, um, delve into them more deeply. So this aspect of myself, Abigail Smile, um, loves mysteries and kind of reminds me of my childhood when I loved to read like Nancy Drew books the Nancy Drew mysteries and I would just read them like I could just pick a book and I would spend the whole day and I would read the entire thing like in that day because I couldn't put it down um so I've invited Abigail in um what it I find interesting about um this story is it also takes place in Rockaway Point Um, which is the same location as the book Chaga and Chai. So we have some, again, crossover people coming through um, from Chaga and Chai, um, like Larimar and Billy are in this story, which I'm really excited about. Um, And it's got a very interesting kind of um, thing going on. So I never know what's going to happen with these, just kind of trying to give a short introduction, but I never know what's going to happen to these, with these. And um, so 
so far, we've got um, enough to do a good little audio story for you. Um, so <clears throat> just the synopsis of this story, so you can decide if you want to listen or not, is um, Abigail Smile, ancestral witch maze. She runs the town's only bakery crust and is the sole supplier of savory and sweet treats to the various coffee and tea shops around town. But Abigail does more than bake magical treats. She has a keen awareness of every ghoul, goblin, and fairy folk in and around the small seaside town. She is also a proud founding member of the Spectre and Book Coven, which also shows up in Chaga and Chai. And along with her friend Rainacourt, her trusty black crow, she is a formidable opponent at any witch-related gathering or circle. This time, though, Abigail has to keep a keen eye open and her wits about her because there is mischief afoot in Rockaway Point this October, and she'll need every ounce of her courage and witch balls to find the culprit who has killed her best friend Polly's cat familiar, Scratchy. Scratchy held a secret code in his onyx-studded collar. This code could be used to open the special town grimoire that Spectre and Book had been gifted from the ancestral coven. With this special book and its secrets being disclosed, every man, woman, child, and magical being in Rockaway Point was in danger. In danger of losing their very existence and slipping into the void of other. Pumpkin pie latte. Intentions are that it will leave you laughing, crying, and cheering all at the same, t- all at the same time because Abigail is a smart, sweet, and powerful witch ready to help others with a hearty vegetable pie recipe while also solving the town's local mysteries and myths with ease, grace, and a little mugwort. So that's what came through as the channeling for the synopsis of this book. And I'm going to read through what we have so far. Um, I think I have like four or five chapters which will make up this first little um, October series for us, October book series. And so I'm going to get started, and I hope you enjoy the story. The Witch Shines Abigail took a sip of her chai latte and looked out over the small harbor flanking Rockaway Point. She smoothed her long crimson hair and adjusted the large apophyllite crystal around her neck. The rock had been given to her by her best friend Polly on the last witch's sabbat. Polly had put the large crystal around Abigail's neck and kissed her soft on the lips. Now, my dear, you will have a proper holiday, Polly had said, while putting more heavy cream in her café au lait. No sense in me looking better than you. And again, Abigail had no idea what the older woman was referring to. But Polly was often up in her head, channeling some messages from spirit or talking to her familiar Scratchy. The big black cat had been with Polly ever since she had found him in the woods during the eve of her ninth birthday. Now, of course, we realized that would make Scratchy quite old, but that is another story. Scratchy had been struck by lightning on Polly's 50th birthday, and then everything had changed. Polly had gotten weird, and Scratchy had disappeared along with the big onyx-studded collar he had worn all his life. Polly couldn't stand to think that Scratchy was gone, and that even more horrific, if anything could be, the key to the grimoire of the ancestral coven had gone missing right along with him. 
for Scratchy's unexcelled collar had been the perfect hiding place for the ancient key to the old spellbook that held all the secrets of Rockaway Point inside its gilded and blood-stained pages. Now it was missing, and Abigail had sworn to Polly that she would do everything in her power to find Scratchy and the key collar. However, she wasn't exactly sure if her powers would be enough to thwart this evil doing. Abigail had an idea who might be behind the bitter deed, but she would need to find out something first. She must talk to Dakar. Chapter 2 Pretty Pumpkins Abigail finished her drink and got up from the settee in the Spectre and Books reading nook at the Chai House tea bar. The owner, Larimar, had been very kind and had allowed the coven to set up a small corner in the upstairs lounge specifically for coven meetings. Spectre and Book's coven had been meeting at the Chai House for as long as Abigail could recall. It was a far cry from the old damp house they used to meet at. High up on the hill in the east part of the small town, Dakar's old English cottage was now up for sale. But that didn't stop the old warlock from continuing to have magical meetings and secret circles in the backyard. Dakar had been seeing Abigail for the last few years, ever since they had been the secret consorts at the Beltane Fire of 2018. Abigail had been painted like a cheetah, and Dakar had been dressed as an African medicine man, straight up with the bones and a crystal skull. He had disguised his face with an ancient African mask, which had both scared and enticed Abigail. Let's just say that several nights after the Beltane fire had been extinguished, Dakar and Abigail had still been making their own fire. And now this matter of the lost keys to the ancestral grimoire made Abigail slightly nervous, but she knew there really was no need to fear. She had plenty of support, both within and without the mortal realms. She kissed Polly lightly on the cheek as the older woman burst into an old Gaelic poem of some sort about lost loves and old black cats who might just be playing jokes on their mistresses. Abigail shook her head and clucked lightly, calling her familiar Rainicourt to her. The large black raven flew off its special perch and onto her shoulder. She pulled her vegan fur coat around her more tightly, knowing the sea was kicking up a fierce wind moving in off the harbor. She decided to drive the short distance rather than brave the cold wind. The vintage Mercedes was parked out front, and she let Rainicourt make his perch up on the dash as she revved the cold engine and put the latest music on the stereo. Today was a little Bob Marley mixed with some punk and reggae. She was feeling better as she pulled up to the cars. Abigail spritzed on some of her bombshell perfume. It was something homemade and mysterious and definitely worked when she needed it to. Tonight, she would need Dakar's help, and she knew that he preferred to lay low and not get involved in coven biz business, but this was an exception. Scratchy was missing and most likely deceased, although no one wanted to think that out loud, and the keys to the most powerful book in Northern Europe were missing. Abigail left Rainicourt with his toys and made her way through the iron gate at the entrance. 
She passed a small gathering of pumpkins at the stairs and heard something that sounded like, What's up, babe? Dakar had sensed she was coming and was already telepathically speaking to her. Those sure are pretty pumpkins, she communicated back to him in her mind. And before she could receive his response, the large oak-carved front door opened and Dakar stood before her in all his fineness. Pretty pumpkins, he laughed a little too huskily, Abigail thought. Is that the best you could do, he said, pulling her into him. At the touch of him, all thoughts of Polly, Scratchy, and Lost Keys shifted to the back of her mind as she drank him in, body and soul. Chapter 3. A Little Bit of What You Fancy Dakar was the first to speak as he looked deeply into Abigail's eyes. It's scratchy in the book, isn't it, he said, while simultaneously lighting a cigar. It was a bad habit, but one he couldn't break ever since the Count of Lancashire had got him started on the darn things last autumn at the Pickling Festival. He wouldn't even have been at that festival had it not been for Abigail's pickle tart recipe. She needed help moving all the jars into her car and then out onto the judges' tables. Her recipe had won first place in the town competition, and now she was up for the village's regional competition. It was while waiting for the final verdict that Dakar had happened upon the Count of Lancashire. Sitting in his own festooned tent, which appeared more ready for a jousting festival than a pickling competition, the Count had motioned Dakar to step inside out of the cold and light mist that was beginning to fall. Dakar, always willing to try something once, stepped into the regalia of the tent and sat down in a newly upholstered leather wingback. Right dastardly weather blowing in, the Count had said between inhales of a large cigar that smelled to Dakar like a cross between a vanilla cupcake and a glass of cognac. Don't mind if I do, Dakar said, reaching into the intricate wooden box to take not one, but two of the fine cigars. He expertly clipped the tips and spat it out onto the dirt of the tent. Smoothing his shoulder-length blonde hair back out of his face, he extended his hand to the Count. Dakar, he had said with aplomb, Count Mashar, the Count said elegantly, extending his hand. Dakar noticed several strange rings on the Count's hand and felt another strange feeling when their hands touched. Have we met before? Dakar said, never forgetting an aura or energy once he had partaken of it. I'm certain we haven't, said the Count, smiling with an air of regal badassedness. But Dakar was certain they had, although he was too polite to say it again. He knew cloaking when he felt it. But cloaked or not, the vintage cigars were just what he had needed. And as the smoke swirled around the two men, one warlock, the other disguised in his best count glamour, Dakar felt a heady lustiness enter his field. Well, my love is ready to go now, he said, feeling rather than hearing or seeing that Abigail was ready to go. I'll see you around somewhere, Dakar said, rising and his extending his hand again to the Count. Oh, most definitely, the Count of Lancashire said with a slick smile, and rising from his seat, he ushered Dakar out of the tent. 
Dakar made his way through the small crowd and mist-drenched field to find Abigail at the car. Well, she said, did you get it? I most certainly did, Dakar said, holding up two cigars and several strands of the Count's golden hair. Let's get out of here and make some of our own magic, he said softly, holding her arm and helping her into the Mercedes. Did you win, Dakar asked, almost jokingly, knowing the main reason for the outing had already been procured. Chapter 4, Night of Fire Dakar opened the door wider for Abigail to step inside. There was something simmering in the cauldron over the fire, and Dakar made a small gesture for Abigail to take a look. It wasn't all the time he was willing to share his magic, but this was a group effort, so to speak. Abigail leaned over the cauldron and inhaled. My God, Dakar, she said, swirling the smoke around with her right hand. Must you go so heavy on the mugwort? She smiled, looking up at him, and well aware of what this concoction was for. It's well worth the time and effort, he said, with his ever-evident mysteriousness. We have plenty of time before it's, it's done, he said, encircling her with his aura again. She swooned as she always did and allowed him to carry her upstairs. Meanwhile, as Polly was carrying her teacup downstairs for a refill of Larimar's chai, the door to the chai house opened and Larimar and Billy stepped inside. They were fresh from their journey back home from the States, and this was the first time Larimar had been back at the chai house in several months. What had happened during that time, as Larimar had connected with her love of a lifetime, happens in another book. But for now, she and Billy had come back to her home to take stock of their next move. They didn't expect such a homecoming, though, as Eve and Marissa, the current T-Hops, had planned a small homecoming for their proprietress. Surprise! They yelled, laughing and clapping and producing a large cake that they had made to celebrate the homecoming. Larimar had tears in her eyes for more than one reason, but both her and Billy seemed so at home with each other that no one could have thought they had just met several months ago on that faded beachfront. Polly had drifted into the homecoming party, hugging Larimar, who was happy to see that the coven hadn't given up on coming here even in her absence. Larimar introduced everyone to Billy, and it was as if he had been there all along, which of course in spirit he had but in the flesh was something more concrete and meaningful. And Larimar thanked God, her guides, Holy Spirit, whoever or whatever it was that had brought them together again. <laughs> Polly, you're looking a little rough around the edges, Larimar whispered into the older woman's ear. Is everything okay, dear? She said, moving them both off to the quiet side of the small tea shop. It's scratchy. Polly said, trembling at his name. I think he's come to some harm, she said, dabbing at her eyes with a lace handkerchief. Not scratchy, Larimar said, trying to sound hopeful. He's always pulled through, even from the toughest of scrapes. Don't worry, Polly, she said, putting her arm around Polly's shoulder. Not this time, Polly said, scrunching up her nose. It's something really bad, Larimar, Polly said. Oh, it can't be that bad, Polly. 
Really, I'm sure he's fine. Larimar was always the hopeful one. I'm afraid not, dear. It's the night of fire this time, Polly said with conviction. And even though Larimar had no idea what the older woman meant, a shiver went down her spine at the sound of it. Chapter 6 A Feeling of Woundedness Now at the same time that Abigail and Dakar were making love, and Polly and Larimar were discussing Scratchy, the Count of Lancashire, Mishar, was doing something quite dastardly and unexpected. He sat with his same regal splendor, still locked up in the fantasy world of knights, dragons, and otherworldly spirits, but he had ulterior motives on his mind as well. He must, he thought, have the town of Rockaway Point, and at all costs. He wanted to expand his spiritual empire beyond the land of Lancashire and into neighboring towns and villages, and this was one of the fastest ways to accomplish this reign of power. Now what this would mean to a normal folk who wasn't at all concerned with counts or spirits and such, well, it meant everything between the balance of dark and light. If the Count were to gain energetic control of other lands outside his own, then darker forces would prevail. His own personal dark agenda would play out, and others who weren't ready to follow such dark plans could or absolutely would have to make a stand. They could choose the Count and his evil plans, or they could choose to walk away from all that darkness and into the light. But if the Count had his way, then his darkness would prevail, and had done so in the past. He wasn't one to sit back and rest on his laurels. He had conquering and winning over others to do, and do so he must. First, he would need to find out more about the light, and how it had taken such a stronghold in these parts. And for that, he must have the grimoire of the ancestral coven. The ancient book handed down by the ancient ones held the writing of many magical secrets. And because Mishar was unable to open his heart and see the magic himself, he must read about it from those who had. But dark plans or not, he knew that the gaining of those secrets could propel him into a higher echelon of the darker society, and for that he would give more of what he had to get more of what he wanted. Now you thought, reader, that as you were perusing such a sweet love story and about covens and tea houses, that there was not work to be done. But through the reading of these words, the listening of them, or the partaking of this light, you too will help Scratchy and Polly, Abigail and Dakar, and so many others of the light to lend your sacred energetic signature to help foil the dark. So keep listening, for there is magic afoot. As Mishar held onto his darkness, the bringers of the light were secretly organizing their own crusade. And with Abigail and Dakar at the helm of this one, we were sure to succeed. So that is where I am going to leave it. <laughs> that is about a week's worth of pages over on Instagram. So if you want to get the next page before the audio version comes out, then I invite you to follow me over on at CLC Books. Um, or if not, you can wait to hear the magical, my magical reading 
of the story. I like doing all the voices and stuff. Um, but I am going to leave it there. And this is already signing off to the, oh, we're on October the 4th. I think I started writing a little bit earlier so we could be done before Samhain because Blind Faith is the story that I always read at Samhain. So this book, this little short story will be finished before then. So I want to thank you all for listening to Pumpkin Pie Latte. And the next time I come back, which should be at the end, uh, you know, of the next chapters or so, five or six chapters or so, then I will see you again then. And until then, I hope you have a magical, mystical, spooky, fun month of October. Take care, loved ones. See you again soon. Thank you all so much for listening to today's podcast. It has been brought to you by the Ancestral Witch Mage Community who is a group of ancestral etheric witches who are working to help us realize our magic. So thank you again for listening. We bid you all a fond farewell.